From Wall Street to Main Street, there are stories to be told. Where knowledge learned on the street is as powerful as knowledge learned on the streets. This is the Financial Recon Podcast, where we introduce you to the people, places, and things that have helped shape our environment and will help shape yours. Welcome to the conversation. In the final episode of Season 1, I want to focus on the spirit of the season and introduce you to an organization that is doing some fantastic work in the Triangle region, MeFine Foundation. And joining us from the MeFine Foundation is their executive director, Joey Powell. Joey shares with us the role MeFine plays in helping families, as well as ways you can help out your local nonprofit. Thanks for listening and wishing you a happy holiday from my family to yours. All right, Joey, thanks a lot for joining me today. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Tell us about MeFine right now. Like, what is the MeFine Foundation for the listeners who don't know? Yeah, and I would assume most of your listeners don't know because we're pretty much a hyper-local organization uh, here in North Carolina. But first off, thanks for having me. Uh, mm-hmm. y- you look great. I know this is an auditory medium, but uh, it's good to, <laughs> good to see your bubbling face today. Um, Mifan was... <laughs> I wish more people felt like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mifan was founded in 2004. Uh, our founder's son was going through treatment for AML leukemia, and she just... Uh, she saw what a lot of families were dealing with financially and just was not okay with it. Specifically, uh, she thought or she saw that um, one of the families that was sharing that was on the unit with them was about to lose their home and they were very nonchalant and just uh, kind of blase about it. Um, but they were about to lose their home to foreclosure because uh, of what losing a job or giving up a job so you could be with your ailing child was doing to them. And she's decided, you know, that's not okay. Um, so Mifan was started around her kitchen table to help pay for life expenses while families have a child facing a medical crisis. We've obviously evolved and grown since, uh, you know, 17 years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, this was founded as, as her late son's legacy after he passed. And, you know, it's crazy that, uh, he would be a teenager now. And so is Mifan. Mifan's full 17 years old. Like we're facing adulthood, you know, dead on. Um, but our goal is to, help kind of absorb some of the financial distress that families deal with while they're trying to care for their child. Uh, and we also fund emotional support programs that are administered in the hospital in the clinical setting uh, by clinical professionals to help a family negotiate and uh, deal with the mental and psychosocial side of, of childhood illness. And it's really rewarding work. It's something that not a lot of folks know about until they've experienced it firsthand. But anytime I evangelize and tell folks about our story, it kind of you can see the light bulb go off because they recognize how much sense it makes. For all the great medical care that exists in the world, what we do often falls through the cracks because health insurance won't touch it. Um, and just the, the practicality of maintaining if you had, you know, that, and that's if you had a, a dual household income or dual, dual earner household income to begin with. Um, right, but if you're right. going into this and you're already kind of struggling and you don't have savings like a lot of Americans do, um, you know, when you have a child deal with this kind of stuff and you've got to give up an income or, or your life gets kind of put on hold while you nurse your child back to health, like folks are teetering on financial disaster. You know, we, we've had folks that are literally... Uh, as I gave the example a minute ago, they're, they're 
really close to homelessness. Um, and, you know, our goal is to try to bridge that gap between whatever their life was before the child's diagnosis to the period where they've kind of adapted and they've, they've made the changes in their life to be able to at least survive with the child's diagnosis. We can't cure chronic poverty. That's not our goal. There are a lot of great other, other organizations that try to do that. But our goal is to bridge that gap from pre-diagnosis to post-diagnosis, help families maintain whatever their new normal is going to be so that they can focus on getting their child back to health. Well, yeah. And I mean, like when Luke was our youngest was born, you know, that was our eye opening experience because he he didn't have anything near leukemia or cancer. I mean, it was just he had an emergency admission for high Billy Rubin mm-hmm. count and the to see to just have that 24 hour taste was like imagine families going through this on months and years on yep. end. And it's like. So, like, personally, I'm biased, obviously. I love what you guys do um, at me fine. And so, like, I think it's important to, you know, when you, when you sit, especially for any parent, you sit there and think about, like, I think anyone would agree, I'm going to do anything I could Absolutely. to help a family yeah. or, or help my kids or whatever. So, there, there's no price. Money is inconsequential at that time. And... um where is some of the where right now? Where are you all mainly uh, focused? Like which hospitals or regions? Yeah, so the the three hospitals that we serve uh, are UNC Children's Hospital, which is the public children's hospital in our state, uh, in the state of North Carolina. Um, Duke Children's Hospital, which is very much focused on research and development. Uh, Duke is kind of on the cutting edge of a lot of these uh, orphan or ultra rare diseases, where you'll see like one, maybe two in, you know, millions of cases. So ultra, ultra rare type stuff. Uh, and then Wake Med Children's Hospital is a hospital just south of Raleigh, the state capital here. Um, and, and it's uh, it's very much a, um, a community hospital. So a lot of, uh, you know, they have a very great trauma center there, but a lot of, uh, a lot of high-level trauma type stuff goes through their patient admissions. And specifically, um, it's in a very... Um, that, that hospital is located in a food desert. Uh, it's in a place where there's actually um, a pretty impoverished community. So, you know, it, see, it, it sees a lot of uh, a lot of families that were struggling long before their child deals with something like this. And, you know, an organization like ours, we're seeing things, everything from, you know, kids in automobile accidents to, um, you know, cystic fibrosis to, you know, long term chronic conditions. Um, you know, you see kids born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome, all kinds of things. Um, and also cancer, right? And that's, that's the biggest diagnosis because there's just so many types of cancers out there. But, um, our goal is to try to help anybody going through a child's medical diagnosis, right? Like whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a traumatic brain injury or, you know, whether it's something long-term or even terminal like a cancer, you know, our goal is to try to help those families be families during that time. Where's the furthest, like someone, like the furthest someone comes in to get this care? Yeah. You know, it's, it, it all depends on the hospitals. Um, I think okay. that, uh, you know, largely we, we've seen folks from just about the entire, you know, all, the entire state of North Carolina. Uh, we have seen folks from all, but probably a handful of states in the U S uh, and we've seen a ton of international folks. Cause when you have places like Duke that are, you know, leading, uh, global researchers for pediatric illness, 
Um, you have folks that come from as far as Afghanistan to, to receive treatment wow. there. Um, you know, we have some, we had a family from Bangladesh a couple of years ago. I mean, it just, it, it, our goal is to help these hospitals regardless of where their pa- patient population is from. But that said, most of the families we serve are, are North Carolina based, uh, with some exception. And it's, and, and how do you guys get connected with these families? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, one of the beautiful parts of our work is, you know, we've tried to rely on a model so that we don't have to build out our own infrastructure. So what we did is we work with the social workers and the case managers within these hospitals. Uh, they're the ones that are already so closely tied with the families at admission that they understand what the families are going through and they're trained to be able to see things from an objective lens. Uh, they don't see things emotionally. They see things very uh, pragmatically. So you don't have, you know, you've got kind of a, a person there to help be an arbiter for a family who may be in a very emotional mind frame. Mm-hmm. And so these social workers can help these families kind of prioritize, all right, what do we need help with first? Um, you know, if you, if you think about, if you're a parent in crisis mind, you might think, uh, God, I really need to get our car note paid this month. Well, reality is no, you need to put food on the table for your, you know, your child's siblings that are at home right now. And so MIFIN can kind of step in through the help of that uh, care coordinator or social worker and, and kind of help them with, you know, a gift card to go buy groceries. Um, and that's, that's what's been really helpful is that we use the infrastructure that's already in place at these hospitals and use the experience of these social workers because they already know more about the families. We can show up, help the issue, and then kind of, kind of dive back into the background. You know, that gif of, of Homer Simpson, like reverting to the bushes, that's kind of what we yeah. try to do is like help the family to get out of the way and let them be parents and let them be caregivers. Yeah, because it's not about me fine. It's not about the work we're doing. It's about those families. Uh, and our goal is just to try to help them and then get out of the way and let them go back to doing, you know, whatever they need to do to survive. So what is the biggest need that you're seeing right now um, from their perspective, yeah. family perspective, and then like me finds perspective? Yeah. So, so the it's going to sound really weird, but hear me out. The beauty of the pandemic was. A lot of uh, living expenses like mortgages and rent were kind of put on hold for a while. And so that was good because it allowed us to, you know, kind of pivot. And our goal, again, is to meet the families where they are. You know, our um, our operations director uses the phrase a lot. Uh, we're responsive and not prescriptive. Right. We're, we're going to do what the family says they need, not what we want to do. And so uh, when with the, I guess, restrictions or the moratorium being placed on uh, evictions and stuff for a little while during the pandemic, folks pivoted a lot to needing help with utility bills. And so that was that was pretty much the the big pressure point for a long time. Well, what we've seen now is, unfortunately, as uh, as those moratoriums on evictions and foreclosures are being kind of lifted, we're starting to see that again. And what you've got is families who were probably a month or two behind on rent to begin with. Now they owe like multiple months worth of rent. And that's just, that's that's an impossible mountain to climb. Right. And um, for for a financial recon podcast, I mean, that's, that's compounded interest, right? So you've got, you've got families right now that are trying to, trying to deal with months of that. So utilities and, and, and rent is is usually the biggest, um, not just by volume, but also by, you know, size of, of inference of assistance, size, sorry, excuse me, instance of assistance. So, you know, 
rent you're talking about 500 bucks just ballpark um, and utilities is probably anywhere between one and two hundred, depending on you know what the family's uh, what the family situation is. Those are the two biggest ones that our families need. And you know, again, consequently, since we're a, a responsible organization, that's that's what what we need help with. And the biggest thing is I always try to tell people if you're going to give to our cause, um, if you could do two hundred bucks, that covers probably two families rent, two families utilities. If you could do five hundred bucks, you're probably keeping a family in their home for a month. I mean, it's, it's stuff like that where when I start translating it into actual help, uh, folks really seem to gravitate towards that and they can understand that because it, it does matter. Um, I mean, if you could just, and so like around the utilities or, I mean, do, are you already hearing about utility prices, you know, going up and are you guys scared or like having some concerns around that? I mean, we've got concerns around it, but again, our goal is to be responsive and, mm-hmm. As much as I'd love to go stand on the steps of the legislature and, and bemoan, you know, how much these utility companies are getting out of these families. Meanwhile, they're lining their <laughs> they're lining their stockholders pockets, you know, like I, as much as I'd love to do that, that's not our job. Our job is to right, help right. families with whatever the need is. And, yeah, you know, it sucks that these price that, 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 you know, inflation's happening. You've got supply chain issues all over the country. It sucks that all this is happening, but again, these families, it, it, it's immaterial to them. All they know is the bill is higher, and our goal is to jump in and try to help with the bill. Yeah, I just didn't know if you're seeing that pass through yeah, sh- kind of. Short to, answer, to yes. Yeah, short answer, yes, absolutely. Um, it's not, it hasn't been huge, but it's, it's, it's been noticeable. Yeah, because, you know, I'm just, I'm, you know, hearing like, I can't remember where I heard this, but, you know, rent. 30% increases yep. and so yep. forth. And, you know, eventually that, tra- that does trickle down to you Absolutely. all and what you're trying to accomplish. So, you know, that, that is one thing that I, I would think is concerning to all nonprofits um, because it's passing through to you too. Yeah. I mean, anytime you've got a, anytime you've got a, a stressed economy, um, yeah. it trickles down to the nonprofit sector just because people tighten up on their pockets. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, people, uh, people generally rein in what their, I like to call it peripheral giving is where we've kind of honed in is we've tried to kind of lean on folks that we have relationships with, because if they have a relationship with our mission and feel connected to our families, usually that's kind of impervious to economic stressors. Um, mm-hmm. you know, where I like to think that peripheral giving is, is are the people get throwing like two bucks in the Salvation Army bucket outside of uh, the grocery store or folks, you know, they, they might, may not feel as inclined to to give 10 bucks to the guy that's going door to door to raise money for whatever the local fire department. Like if you feel connected to the cause and you've got a relationship with that donor and the donor has a relationship with your work, usually you're OK. But to your point. Where we will start seeing that in larger chunks is at the end of the year, we go back and start reading our data from 2021. What I'm guessing that we will see uh, is a higher actual average instance of, uh, of assistance. So when we have at like every time we help a family, that average is probably going to go up a little bit. And, you know, it's it sucks, but. It's the world we live in, you know. Oh, you're right. It is what you know, yeah. It is what it is. I guess in a way, it'd be nice if uh, 
the Fed or the Treasury <laughs> Department tied inflation to some of these metrics. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, what the real pass through? <laughs> uh, that would uh, I would I would be all for that. Yes. So what does me find? Like, I mean, obviously, all nonprofits always are in need of cash, but like, what are some other things, y'all? Yeah. So um, at the uh, at this time of year. You know, and this goes back to our founder and kind of what she was seeing with some of the families they were kind of living with that are kind of navigating pediatric illness. Um, We actually do a Hope for the Holidays program where we adopt families who otherwise probably won't have anything for the holidays. Um, You know, they're either going to struggle to, um, you know, keep the heat on or, God forbid, they're not going to be able to give their kids any gifts or anything like that. So we have a thing that we like to call our dream team sponsors where... I don't mind tooting your horn. You've done this before. Um, and we appreciate that from, from you and your family. But we'll actually take some of these families as they get referred. And usually it's very last minute, right? We pride ourselves on being a nimble, agile, responsive organization. So what happens is, you know, a family, everything's cool at Thanksgiving. And then like the next week, they've got a diagnosis for a serious condition. They're going to be in the hospital for two or right. three weeks. Like, you know, we want to we want to try to help them. Uh, so what we'll do is we'll have some of our donors who have signed up to be a dream team sponsor. They will, we'll get a list from the family through the social workers of what they need for the holidays, whether it's pajamas for their kids or toys or, you know, a couple of gift cards for, uh, you know, a big box store or something like that. So they can have groceries uh, and be able to eat during the sun. And we'll take care of that list. Uh, you know, we usually try to take care of, of the families that don't get adopted by somebody else. Um, you know, again, our goal is to try to catch families that slip through the cracks. Maybe they don't qualify for, you know, for an adoption by the American Cancer Society, or maybe they don't get adopted by their local house of worship or something like that. We try to catch the ones that, that don't really fit on any of those other lists. So um, if you go to, uh, I think it's uh, mefind.org backslash holidays, I hope that's, that website's right. Forgive me. Um, if not, you could just, just go to our social media and you can find out how to do it. But, uh, you can sign up and, and adopt a family there. We also put a couple of angel trees out in the community with some of our longtime partners and those rather than gifts, we're asking folks for, you know, to, to take an angel. Uh, and then on the back of that angel, we'll ask them to like, Hey, go, go buy a couple of gas cards or go buy a couple of, uh, go buy a couple of, um, 15 or $20 visa gift cards. Those are, again, those are types of things that we're giving right back to families when they need it. Um, and that's the goal of those angel trees is to help stock our resources so that when families need things, we have it to give to them. Right. And again, we're, we're responsive, not prescriptive. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of one of our holiday specific programs that, that we just do this time of year. Uh, but again, our goal is to do what families need, where they need it, you know, to, to meet them where they are. And have you seen an uptick because of COVID? You know, it's yeah, you know what's funny, man. Um, for a while, hospitals put a lot of chronic and elective type treatments on hold. Right. You know, last year specifically, like in the middle of 2020, when, you know, the nation was still trying to get this thing, uh, trying to really understand what they were dealing with. So, you know, they were filling up beds with, with COVID patients and they really put even chronic clinic treatment was put on hold for pediatrics. Um, the good news is, you know, pediatric case numbers never really went very high. That's not to say kids weren't being affected, but it was not uh, to the rate or to the exponent that we were seeing in adults in certain um, socioeconomic factors. So essentially what happened with us is the children's hospitals just kind of pressed pause on a lot of things. 
and were doing enough to keep these children healthy, but they weren't actually able to do a lot of their basic interventions. And now, since those since those restrictions have been released and the children's hospitals are kind of operating uh, closer to normal or to pre-pandemic normal, um, we've started to see that come back up. Uh, but what we were seeing from our families, even though they weren't having to go to the hospital as much, they were still struggling to have utility bills, you know, whether they were um, where they had to take off or whether they were laid off or whatever. It was it's just it, it was it was really all over the board. Uh, but now we're starting to see that come back to normal. And we're starting to see a couple of additional strains, like I said, from the relaxation of these moratoriums or, you know, families that um, that lost a job and, and haven't gone back. I mean, you would think that a lot of the unemployment assistance that was out there um, was actually helping folks for a little while. And I think that it was, but as that's running out, you know, you're talking about people that were unable to maintain work anyway, because they're spending time with their ailing child, right? You can't leave your kid at the hospital while, while you go to work every day. It's just, that's not what parenting is about. It's not what caregiving is about. So we started to see yeah, that come back. Yeah, that's a mess. That, that's I mean, I don't care if it's political. It's a, that's one of the messed up things that you shouldn't ever have to choose between, you know, the two. No, that's that, that's part, and that's actually a tagline that we used way back when. Like a, a parent should never have to choose whether they should go to work or be beside their kid who's fighting, you know, a life threatening illness or a life threatening diagnosis. But yet here we are, right? Greatest country in the world, and this is one of the warts that we have as a society and. You know, it's 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 my goal every day to get up and try to help uh, along with my team uh, to try to help fight this and, and try to help, you know, get these families through this. And I would Mike, you've heard me say this. I, I would love for me find not to exist. Right. I would love for, for there not to be a need for us to be an organization. I would love for every family to have the resources that they need to deal with a child's diagnosis. But that's just not where we are. And until that's fixed, uh you know, Mifan's goal will be to, to kind of walk alongside these families and um, support them in whatever fashion that, that, that they dictate. You guys do awesome work, like I said. And, like, you know, one of the things that when I was in grad school, they asked us to write about using finance for society. Like, how do you use finance for good? Because we always yeah. hear about the corruption and all that out there. And, you know, there are ways to use finance for good. There's things right now, like the market's roaring again. I mean, so if you're coming up at the end of the year, you want to talk to your accountant or your financial person about things like net unrealized appreciation or qualified charitable distributions or all these types of things. Highly, you know, highly appreciated stock. I'm sure that organizations like me find will be happy to take that money off your hands and lessen the government's uh, tax coffers just a little bit, potentially it's not tax advice. Talk to, you know, don't want to get the attorneys all <laughs> bent out of shape, but you're right. But uh, you're, you're absolutely right, man. I mean, like we're, we're in a place to where we can accept, you know, we can accept stock and we will take that stock and we will uh, convert it to, to cash and use that to, you know, some of it will go in our brokerage account to help earn for, for a rainy day to keep us, uh, to keep us solvent, to keep us sustainable. But very much often we will take a draw for that. And it will go to our families. It will go to help, um, you know, whether it's family need right now or family need in the future. So absolutely. I appreciate you mentioning that. If anybody, anybody out there listening, it doesn't even have to go to me fine. Just if you have you know, stock that you don't want the government to get their hands on your, your gains, 
there are ways around it. And, and it, <laughs> those ways can help organizations like ours that could do some good in your community. Yeah, I see it often. Like people, you know, like they they just get to the point where it's like, you know, you're going to give up a third, a half to the government and taxes. Why? You know, talk to your tax person and see, yeah. see, because you could do some good and help help out a, a nonprofit out there. And, you know, the, what, like me fine or whoever, there's a lot of good organizations. And that's one of the things people need to, you know, I hope that people one they get to know or go check out me fine. But two, this is a great opportunity when things have been so good now for the last uh, almost two years, um, well, maybe we should say the last decade, um, that they should turn around and look into some of these great giving opportunities. So, Joe, where can um, where can they uh, follow you or follow along with me? Fine. Again, what social media channels are you guys on? I mean, we're everywhere. Um, biggest thing is to <laughs> go search me. Find foundation. Um, I think we're on Facebook dot com backslash me find foundation uh, i think on twitter and instagram it's at me find nc that's m-e-f-i-n-e nc is in north carolina um you know we're on youtube we have a couple of videos up there you can go back and see some uh some of the families that we've worked with but um yeah me find.org is our website m-e-f-i-n-e like me find i'm okay uh that story comes from when our founder's son was being treated and he was in the hospital and he was getting you know, marrow transplants and all sorts of procedures done, you know, nurses or his mom would go in and check on him and say, buddy, how you doing today? He'd always say me fine. And that's how we got our name. And a lot of folks kind of look at us sideways, but then once I tell them that story, they don't forget it. So yeah, uh, me find.org, find out what we're doing. You can learn more about the cause and find out how you can plug in. And like Mike said, man, if, if you guys out there are listening, don't just let, you know, don't just pay your, your, your capital gains. Like if, if you have a way around it and, and I'm not a financial advisor, obviously, but I am somebody that, that works in, in, you know, in our community. And I'm telling you, there are other ways that you can help organizations, uh, whether it's, you know, me fine or the organization that you care the most about. Um, don't, you know, don't let that money just, just get taxed and gobbled up. I mean, do some good with it. And, and, and I'd, I'd echo what Mike said, talk to your, your financial advisor, talk to your tax pro, find out the best way you can do that. But uh, there are organizations all around you that could absolutely uh, use your help. And, and I would just strongly encourage all of you listening out there to figure out what cause you care about and try to help them in that way too. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you joining us and uh, everyone be sure to check out me fine. All right. Thanks brother. I appreciate you giving me some time today. Appearances do not constitute endorsement of flagship wealth management group, LPL Financial, the Pinnacle Financial Group, or any other entity discussed in this program. Securities offered through LPL Financial. Member, FINRA, SIPIC. Investment advice offered through the Pinnacle Financial Group, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial. The opinions voiced are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. This information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax or legal advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified tax or legal advisor. 
Joey Powell and the Me Fine Foundation are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial, Flagship Wealth Management Group, or the Pinnacle Financial Group.